electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. You're listening to The Exchange. Here's today's show. I am Bill Griffith. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm in for Kelly Evans. Uh, here's what's ahead. Three big market forces at play right now. The election, earnings, and vaccine hopes. So what should investors focus on most when placing their bets? We're going to talk about that coming up here. Plus, it's being called the most significant iPhone event in years. We're going to look at tomorrow's big unveiling of the new iPhones with big expectations. And Prime to keep rallying. After months of delay, Amazon kicks off its two-day Prime event. Will it keep the stock's monster rally going? That's the big question. We'll get to that in a little bit. But we begin with today's market rally. Seema Modi. Happy holiday. And you can call it whatever holiday you want today. Big day for the market. Yeah. First of all, great to see you, Bill Griffith. Thank Let's you. get straight to the market. As you said, six-week high for the market. The Dow currently at around the highs of the day, up about 300. S&P 500 up 60 days. But check out the Nasdaq, a 2.7% gain, despite no progress being made on the stimulus front. Let's get into that tech trade because it is large cap tech that is leading the way. Apple up about 5.6% now ahead of its product launch tomorrow. Facebook higher by 5%. And we have a deal in the technology space as well. Twilio buying Segment. It's a software player for $3.2 billion. Twilio now at a record high with a 7% gain today. And the stock has actually tripled on the year. One of the losers, though, that's in the travel space. Carnival shares are down about 2%. Despite the CDC no-sale order set to expire at the end of this month, the cruise operator today said that it would be delaying more sailings out of Florida now to December. That, of course, raises some questions as to whether its peers, Royal and Norwegian, will have to do the same. Taking a look at the stock bill, uh, now you can see down 70% uh, on the year. Back to you. All right, Seema, thank you very much. Good to see you as well. Now to the latest on the stimulus talks in Washington with bipartisan backlash continuing following the latest offer from the White House. Ilan Mui joins us now with where things stand at the moment. Hey, Elon. Well, Bill, the White House is changing its strategy on stimulus once again, as it does face backlash from both sides of the aisle. In a public letter to both chambers of Congress, the administration called on lawmakers to simply extend the payroll protection program to help small businesses. And it called Democrats' all-or-nothing approach an unacceptable response for the American people. Now, the last relief bill that passed both the House and the Senate was on PPP. It kept the program growing through August, and it passed with unanimous consent. However, since then, all sides have been at loggerheads. Senate Republicans are complaining about the new $1.8 trillion price tag on the administration's proposal. They also object to sending more money to state and local governments and to extending certain health care tax credits. Meanwhile, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said that she won't bring up any targeted relief unless there is a broader deal already in place. And she called the latest offer from the White House grossly inadequate. So, Bill, the latest sign that there is no uh, imminent breakthrough happening, House lawmakers have said that they are not going to have any votes this week. Back over to you. Is there a drop-dead date before the election when they just say, okay, it's not going to happen before November 3rd? 
There were many drop-dead dates that we thought were in place, including yeah. the end of unemployment benefits, including the uh, airline furloughs happening. So far, Congress has blown past all of them. The reality is the legislative calendar does not leave much time for this to happen before the election. So my sense is that we're going to get through November 3rd here without a deal in place. Ilan Mui in Washington, as always, thank you. And with the stimulus talk still uncertain, could earnings be the next positive catalyst for the market? Bob Pisani joins us now with what we can expect as third quarter earnings kick off. We got Super Tuesday for the banks tomorrow, Bob. Yes, indeed. Good to see you, old friend. Always, always a pleasure. Important thing here is good and bad news on earnings. The good news is we've got overall earnings aren't as bad as a lot of people anticipated. If you just take a look at what's going on here, we started the quarter with earnings expected to be down 25%. Now it's only down about 20%. That's still pretty awful, folks. But normally, earnings estimates tend to go down, not go up in a quarter because the analysts are too optimistic. That hasn't been the case. That's a good sign. Another good sign, the early reporters for the third quarters have been doing much better than expected. We had 22 companies reporting as of Friday. 20 of them have beat expectations. And the beat, 25%, that's way above normal. Usually they beat 3 to 6%. And the fourth quarter number for most of those companies reporting has been going up. All this is good news going into earnings season. Here's the bad news. It's all very much hostage to the stimulus program and to the vaccine and reopening story, as you heard from Bill earlier. Stimulus is the most important thing for the earnings situation. It's viewed as a bridge to the vaccine, and stimulus has worked to hold up the economy, traders believe. The vaccine and reopening story, also important if we return to wholesale lockdowns across the country. That positive earnings trend I talked about, well, that'll reverse. Finally, on the contested election, there's a little bit less concern about that. That's certainly a good sign. And all this debate about the Democrats perhaps winning the Congress as well, that's way out in the future right now. Many believe raising taxes in a pandemic will be a very, very tough call. But again, that's a debate for another day. Right now, it's about stimulus and a vaccine and reopening. Guys, back to you. All right, Bob, thank you very much. Always good to see you. So how should investors factor in earnings when deciding their next move? Goldman Sachs says not much, as the two big question marks are out there otherwise. The firm is out with a note today. Goldman Sachs is saying that a vaccine is more important than the election, which is more important than third quarter results. Got that? So are they right? What should the biggest driving force be for investors right now? and their investment decisions. Our market experts join me with their thoughts. Emily Rowland is co-chief investment strategist at John Hancock Investment Management, and Richard Weiss is CIO of multi-asset strategies at American Century Investments. Good to see you both. Thank you for joining us. And I, I know that for both of you, the last thing you want to vote uh, to, to uh, uh, invest on is the election. Why, Emily? Yeah, I would actually agree with Goldman, not on Q3 earnings season, but certainly on the election. We think that investors can make a lot of mistakes by trying to use the political configuration as a way to make asset allocation decisions. In fact, the economic and earnings backdrop is far more important. But I do think it's important that investors focus on Q3 earnings. We're going to learn a lot of really important information on how companies are adjusting to this new COVID era, what the winners and losers are, how much momentum we actually have heading into Q4. And I think using that fundamental backdrop as an input is a lot better and easier than trying to use vaccine development mm -hmm. as an input to making asset allocation decisions. We really have no edge in doing that, and I believe most investors don't. 
Richard, what about earnings? What are your expectations uh, as we head into what is going to be a pretty busy week for those numbers? Well, you know, the, the drivers of the market now, as has already been said, it, it's, it's really not earnings in the near term, some of which are backward looking, right? We know they're going to come in uh, down 20% year over year for 2020 on the S&P, give or take. So maybe you'll find some spots of good news in there. But overall, the drivers of the markets are the path and trajectory of the virus, which right now, if you're taking our, any clues from overseas, is, is not bullish indicator. The discovery and importantly, wide dissemination of a vaccine, which at best, according to the medical experts, is a mid-2021, if not late 2021 event. Uh, and, and then third, and, and not the least of which, is monetary and fiscal policy stimulus. Right. These are the three main drivers. That's what's driving the market crazy right now. Elections, tertiary uh, earnings, I put even behind that. So right now, the elections uh, are only important to the extent they affect one of those three other drivers. Richard, I get your concern about the virus and, and, and the possibility of a second wave or whatever number wave you want to put uh, assigned to it. But here we are with another 300-point rally today after last week's rally, the best week for the Dow and the S&P in three months. Markets ignoring all of that right now. Well, yeah, because, again, they're focusing on the, the big drivers here, the, the virus and, and the vaccine largely added they're outside of the economic or financial realm, yeah. but it's fiscal stimulus. Despite all the jawboning, yeah. we're likely to get a package at some point, maybe not pre-election, on the order of 10 percent of real GDP, uh, about two trillion dollars, give or take. That's going to be an important boost uh, and for this economy and then for earnings in the second and third quarter next year. And Emily, we haven't talked about the free money from the Fed, which I know you think is a huge catalyst for this market as well. However, you are still selective in what you are looking at in this market right now, aren't you? Right. We don't want to fight these incredibly powerful forces of monetary and fiscal stimulus that we will get down the road. So we want to stay invested in risk assets, but we do want to be very thoughtful about how we do that. So we've focused a lot on notching up on quality in portfolios, still leaning into those sectors that have that quality overlay, areas like technology and communication services, which have great margins and have the ability to really do well in this new COVID environment. But we want to barbell that with some more classically defensive sectors as well. So areas like healthcare and consumer staples, which we think also give a good opportunity to produce return on equity for shareholders, and putting that together in a portfolio that's well-balanced. And again, this is not a great time to chase risk. And we're starting to see investors come off the sidelines, okay. come out of cash, and start to get invested in the markets. And we want them to do it in a balanced way. Richard, before we go, quickly, sectors you like right now. Uh, we have removed recently our longstanding overweight to growth. So we have neutralized or balanced out our style tilt, moving towards value. Uh, in addition to banks, REITs, most importantly. So we're starting to move in that direction. Hopefully that'll work out. Let's see what happens with rates. Yeah, that's for sure. See what those banks tell us over the next couple of days as well. Emily Rowland, Richard Weiss, thank you both for joining us again today. Thank you. And coming up, 250 million items are expected to be purchased during Prime Day this time around. That means a lot of deliveries. Will it boost for the, be a boost for the carriers? And their bottom line, or will the demand be too overwhelming? We'll talk about that. Plus, this stock is up 376% this year alone, and one analyst says another 50% rally could be on the way. We'll have the name and the reason ahead. And 
Just a friendly reminder, time's up to file your 2019 taxes. Yes, it is 2020. Uh, what you need to know coming up, the exchange is back in two. This is The Exchange on CNBC. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. In case you hadn't heard, tonight kicks off Prime Day for Amazon and Walmart, Best Buy and Target are also higher in the stock market ahead of the Prime Day because they are also offering mega deals right now after the October 14th. It remains to be seen who's going to come out on top of all of this. Scott Mushkin is the CEO and founder of R5 Capital. He's here to handicap what is expected to be another record Prime Day for Amazon, right, Scott? It should be. I mean, it's going to be very strong for all retailers. So, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, people, American consumers just can't get enough goods right now. They can't go out dining as much. They can't go on vacation. So they're just pouring money uh, into goods, particularly ones around the house. But uh, we're seeing very robust spending in, in certain areas. Amazon truly has what could be considered a, a captive audience this time. I mean, People would be here at work uh, on their computers feeling a little guilty, but they're still shopping. But now they're at home and it's going to go crazy. What kind of numbers are we expecting from this two-day event? You know, we're looking at uh, 35% uh, growth in Amazon's numbers for their third quarter. It's a little bit of a slowdown, but honestly, things are going very good for Amazon right now. And I think one of the more amazing things is that their fulfillment centers are being able to do all this. Uh, you know, having some redundancy there and you know, they're able to handle all the volume. It's an unbelievable accomplishment for this company. So now, wait a minute. You're, you're singing their praises. You're saying this is, gonna, this is a great time and everything. You have a sell rating on Amazon right now. What, what is that about? I mean, it's, it's, so I think we, we look at Amazon. We did something called Amazon 2030, where we took out the business to 10 years and just said, what is the market assuming here? Um, and we really can't get a value on a DCF discounted cash flow basis above 3000 um, And we've incorporated a lot of benefits from the pandemic into that model. And so I think we look at that. And I think the other challenge for anyone, but Amazon, any hardline retailer, uh, a Home Depot, a Lowe's, a Tractor Supply, it's cycling this incredible sales volume you've seen, especially if you see uh, parts of the economy open up more, if covid you know, the wanes a little bit next year. We get a cycle over stimulus. Uh, we get a cycle over incredible sales numbers. Um, and, you know, right now we have something called the R5 Comfort Index, which still shows consumers very hesitant to do certain things, uh, like go to a movie theater. Um, we expect that to fade next year, and we also expect incomes to start to drop, uh, again, as we cycle over the massive stimulus. And so we put this all together, and we think the outlook is a slowdown Amazon, not necessarily negative, um, but also with that DCF I was referencing before, you know, an old friend of mine mentoring the business, a guy named Barkley Perry, always said, 
you never go broke make, uh, taking a profit. Right. Um, and uh, we think it's it's almost, you know, the stock's up a ton. Uh, we'd be fading it right here. Yeah, I've never decided what's worse, uh, selling too soon or buying too late. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a wash in that case. So since Prime Day now is October instead of July when it normally is, what does this mean for holiday sales, Black Friday, and, you know, all of the usual times when we spend a lot more as well? You know, it's, a, it's, such, a very, it's such a good question, something we think about a lot. And I think we look at it as a period of time, probably starting in October through the end of the year. And, you know, we think there's still a lot of money freed up from those service activities that we talked about to go into goods. So our outlook for the next three months or so is actually pretty robust. Uh, we're looking for good sales across uh, Amazon, but other high, hardline retailers uh, and software retailers like a, like a Target. Yeah. So Target, Best Buy, Lowe's, Home Depot, Amazon. Tractor supply. We think they're they're going to have very strong sales right into the end of the year. All right, Scott Mushkin from R5 Capital. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having me. So, what could Prime Day mean for the major carriers? You know, FedEx, UPS. Frank Holland joins us with more on that. It could be overwhelming for these guys, right? Hey there, Bill. You know, it's expected to be definitely whelming. The question is, will it be overwhelming? So, Prime Day sales are forecast to increase. 40% year-over-year to over $6 billion, according to eMarketer. Items purchased and shipped during Prime Day also expected to increase more than 40%, from $175 million last year to as many as $250 million this year. That is expected to give a boost to UPS, Amazon shipments. They account for about 12% of that company's annual revenues. Now, FedEx and Amazon, they've broken off their relationship, but third-party sellers that make up more than a half of all sales on Amazon, they still use FedEx, so a big potential boost for FedEx as well. Other retailers are also launching competing sales expected to boost online shipping. Walmart, which has about 5% of the e-commerce market, having its big save event from October 11th to the 15th, for example. And also for UPS and FedEx, this will strain capacity, but Prime Day will also provide a sneak peek for the holiday peak. Last quarter, both saw their ground volume spike, FedEx by 31%, UPS by 25%. Ground is how the majority of these residential deliveries are made. This additional volume will provide an opportunity for both carriers just to kind of figure out how to maximize this unprecedented holiday season where online sales are expected to be a record 22 percent of the total sales. Bill, back to you. And, but let's not forget, I think you mentioned Amazon is a lot more aggressive with their own deliveries right now. Does that take some of the pressure off these guys as well? Well, really, it just depends on all of our habits. You have to remember, Bill, there's also a, what a lot of people believe is a second wave coming. So how much more will that boost online shopping? Will people be comfortable going back to stores or will they shop more online? So I don't think anybody really knows, including Amazon. They've definitely picked up their own shipping over the last year or so by more than 20 uh, percent, depending on the estimates you look at. But the question is, can they actually meet the capacity? Their on-time delivery rates have definitely fallen um, for prime delivery, so that's been a big issue for them. They've trained us. We've got to have it when we want it, right. so we'll see if that happens. Frank Holland, good to see you, my friend. Thank Thanks. you. Coming up, the first major redesign in three years. you got four sizes coming, 5G. Tomorrow's Apple event is a big one for the company and investors as well, with that stock up 67% this year so far and 5% alone today. Is this event going to pay off? We'll find out. Plus, a 373% rally this year for DraftKings just isn't enough for one firm. Why Deutsche Bank is betting there's much more upside for that stock. The exchange is back after this. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? 
generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big. Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to The Exchange. If you're just joining us, a solid rally underway on the uh, heels of last week's gains for the Dow and the, uh, and the S&P. And the NASDAQ leading the way here today, uh, up 1.2 percent for the Dow. It's the underappreciated index among the three. Look at the NASDAQ up 2.83 percent. And if you move over here, you'll see why, because the best performing sector today is the technology sector. And Apple is the leader there with that gain of more than 5 percent. And then you've got a lot of the usual suspects and the strength of what we usually see for a day like this with communications and the, the consumer areas uh, doing well. Energy, the lone decliner today. Some of the movers at this hour, shares of Dillard's have been soaring today after Berkshire Hathaway portfolio manager Ted Wexler disclosed a 5.89% stake in that department store chain. The shares are not a Berkshire investment. They are held in a trust for the benefit of Wexler's family members. And that stock is now up 39%. It was up 45% at one time. Shares of Ford higher on an upgrade to buy from hold at Benchmark Company. The bank pointing to a new management team, better than expected third quarter earnings, and momentum from new products. Ford today up 6.4%, a smart move there. And shares of Pepsi are higher on an upgrade to buy from neutral at Citi. This on an expectation of improving profit margins here in North America, as well as strong organic sales growth relative to its peers. And we know who those peers are. Pepsi's up more than 3% at this hour. Now to Sue Herrera for our CNBC News update. Hey, Sue. Hello, Bill. Good to see you. Here's what's happening at this hour, everyone. Democrats at today's Senate confirmation hearing for Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett are not concentrating on how her vote may solidify an anti-abortion majority on the high court. Instead, they are warning she could help throw out the Affordable Care Act after the court hears a challenge to it just after the election. Presidential candidate Joe Biden is taking the same tact. As he says, Barrett's Catholic faith should not be questioned. We're already in the midst of a real fight here. Everyone knows in 28 days, 20 million Americans may lose their health care. This nominee said she wants to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. The president wants to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. And take a look at this. Home runs like this one by Hall of Famer Joe Morgan helped power Cincinnati's big red machine in the 1970s. He had a signature flapping left elbow. Morgan's base hits and stolen bases made him one of baseball's greatest second basemen. Morgan died Sunday at his California home after suffering from a nerve condition. He was 77 years old.
You and I both grew up a Dodger fan. Absolutely. Uh, and, of course, Joe Morgan was one of the bad guys uh, working for the Reds at the time. But uh, yep. as a broadcaster, he was terrific. I always enjoyed when he was doing play-by-play. -play yeah, he was terrific when he was in the booth. He yep. really was. He was. R.I.P. Joe Morgan. Thank you, Sue. You got it, Bill. Coming up, the tax filing extension the workers got in April. Remember that? Well, it's coming to an end. We break down what you need to know and how to avoid that dreaded 5% penalty. Plus, it's being called QVC for the modern generation, and brands are betting that it's going to be the future of shopping. Wait till you see this. Details are coming up. And my pal Susie Orman is back. She'll join us to discuss the financial lessons that she learned from her recent very scary health scare. We're glad she's doing well, though. We're back in two. Welcome back. Let's catch you up on a few stories that should be on your radar. It is time, folks, for Rapid Fire. And here with their takes, John Fort, Contessa Brewer, and Michael Santoli. Hello, friends. Welcome. Hey. Hey, bro. Hello. So, so John, I keep hearing, this is going to be the greatest event Apple has ever uh, put on. The, 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 yeah, I mean, we've heard this before, but do they really, really mean it this time? Uh, I mean, I'm sure some people mean it, but I don't necessarily think as some are saying that this is the most important iPhone launch in a long time. And here's the reason why. It's the 5G iPhone. That's what we expect anyway. But the 5G networks aren't really ready to deliver what the carriers have been promising. So even if Apple delivers like a perfect phone for 5G, I'm not sure the demand is going to be there in that critical Q4 period for people saying, hey, the networks are great. It's so much faster. Right. I'm going to get one. I think next cycle might be the one. Anybody going to buy a, a, a new iPhone? Are you in the market for an iPhone, Contessa? Yeah, well, yes, because I'm one of those people where my iPhone is years old. They say that now this um, refresh, this update cycle is older than four years, which is a long time for an iPhone. Plus, it's happening right before that all-important holiday shopping season. Of course, they're competing with uh, Amazon Prime Day and all those other holidays that you've already been through with Walmart and Target and Bed Bath & Beyond. Bill, but I think there's a lot of excitement about this because we've been stuck at home. We've been on our phones right. nonstop. And if we're one of those people that haven't updated it, it's time. And everybody loves to handicap, Mike, uh, the timing issue. Let's see. We rally into the introduction <laughs> yeah. and then the stock goes down and yeah. uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this year's super dramatic stock moves for the market and for Apple as a whole probably uh, have kind of made that kind of analysis a little bit obsolete just because there's been nothing routine about how this has gone. Although, yes, rally. Uh, somewhat into this release. What's fascinating to me about Apple when it comes to the storyline surrounding the stock is that for years, what has benefited the valuation of Apple is they've smoothed out the upgrade cycle. It's much more about services. And now all of a sudden, the bull case is, hey, guess what? It's going to be a huge hit-driven uh, story about iPhone sales. So I think it can work for all these different reasons, but mainly it's 30 times earnings. What this market's paying more than 30 times earnings for out there, yeah. why wouldn't Apple be worth that at this point? I think it comes down to just that. And by the way, John, it is 2020, so this event's going to be virtual. Ho-hum. It was always kind of virtual for most people. I mean, most people didn't go. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah, but you don't you don't have you don't have him working with a, a big crowd cheering him on at that point. Anyway, uh, let's move on to topic number two. Deutsche Bank says it is time to buy Twitter. 
The firm is upgrading the stock to buy from Hole, saying that it sees improving growth for the rest of 2020 as well as into 2021. And the social media company is well positioned to benefit from big events and a cyclical recovery. Shares are higher today. They are having their best year ever since going public. They're up about 50 percent this year alone, and they've surged 140 percent since their March lows. Mike, I, I get the, I mean, what they're seeing is an increase in ad revenue, and I get that in an election year, but what's the catalyst for next year that they're looking at? Yeah, not clear that there is a specific catalyst along that front. In fact, the analysts upgrading it now said they were on the sidelines for the stock as it went up 40% because they were afraid it was too exposed to a weak advertising market, now expecting a little bit of a comeback. I think the you know, really the case for it has always been more the franchise value as opposed to top line revenue run rates from advertising. It just seems like it's it's the news ticker of the world for better and for worse right now. And the stock, as well as it's done this year, is really only back to where it traded five years ago. So in theory, there have been people who paid more for this. And the street in general is pretty skeptical. Not a lot of people have buys on this stock. And John, I realize I'm retired, so I'm not paying as much attention to some of these stories as I used to. But I don't hear anything about anybody wanting to buy Twitter anymore or anybody handicapping that. And complaining that Jack Dorsey's uh, attention is uh, sometimes distracted to box and all that. I mean, are they really getting their act together here? Yeah, I, I don't hear that either, Bill. And I'm going to take the other side because it's fun. I mean, with Joe Biden uh, polling as well as he is right now, that can't be good for Twitter. And like 2020, insane year, all yeah. kinds of ridiculous things happening. That was good for Twitter. So I don't know. Is it really great for Twitter coming out of this into a possibly more... Um, of if stable is the word, uh, but, but sober time. I don't know if that's good for Twitter. All right. Yeah, we, but, we will. but it's interesting that the analyst said it was really about events next year, yes. about the Olympics coming back and sports coming back. So you would imagine that COVID is still a risk for that happening. It would be a headwind if COVID prevents those events from happening as they should. But it wasn't about politics. It was really about, you know, everybody getting on and, and tweeting I don't know, the Golden Globes. Well, and they do now all cover uh, and, and facilitate their platform for some sporting events as well. So that, that helps. And I, I bet, right. I bet you're going to want to talk about that in this next uh, topic here, Contessa, because DraftKings has gotten a vote of confidence from Credit Suisse, the firm initiating coverage of the stock with an outperform rating. The firm says that DraftKings is a leader in the mobile sports betting industry and is poised to gain even more market share. And there will be a post-pandemic acceleration in sports gambling legalization here in the United States, they believe. Uh, DraftKings today is up more than 5% at this hour, and it's gained more than 190% since going public just in April. I, I'm no prude, I mean, but I'm not a gambler. I, I don't bet on anything. But I, I have to say, watching the commercials and and the and and the subtle changes in the way play-by-play -play is done now where they do sort of allude to betting and and odds and things in the middle of sporting events they're in the sweet spot aren't I mean, they that, right now? that in that in-game sports betting is one of the growth drivers here and it's one of the differentiators and look credit suisse says this is one of the it, it it's the only stock that you can buy that's a pure mobile betting for on sports play so the other competitors have other you know bricks and mortar casinos and other things going on but DraftKings really is a pure play on this front part of it is they're depending on this expansion across the states remember the big monster states Florida Texas New York and California 
don't have mobile sports betting, if there's a push to legalize it there, that makes a huge difference for these companies. That wasn't even factored into Credit Suisse's price target of $76. They're saying just on the fact that they have the model figured out, they have customer acquisition figured out, and we think that the total addressable market is going to beat our expectations, that this is the way to go. Uh, the stock's acting like it's already happened, though, Mike. I mean, uh, yeah. It's been the big impediment uh, for this, uh, this stock, at least intellectually, is that uh, it's already getting a lot of credit for almost owning this market. And the fact that it's the one pure play, it's very much like Beyond Meat is the one pure play for, you know, other types of alternative proteins. Roku, argues, arguably the one pure play for Internet streaming war TV. Uh, and therefore, all the enthusiasm for those huge themes gets run through this one stock and the valuation becomes very difficult potentially to sustain. And I think uh, Deutsche Bank had a pretty good report today initiating uh, DraftKings with a hold today, essentially saying, you know, we, we see the story, but people are getting too aggressive in terms of how big this market can get in the next couple of years. You know what uh, this reminds me of, Bill? Pot. Marijuana. Yeah, there you go. Uh -huh. I mean, it's, yes. it's one of those things where people say, hey, it's a vice and it's highly regulated, but how can it go wrong? Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to write that down. John Ford <laughs> thinks of marijuana when he hears about gambling. All right. Very good. Finally, clothing brands like Levi's and Tommy Hilfiger are betting on live online sessions to reach shoppers during the pandemic. And looks a lot like QVC. Hey guys, I'm Elias. And I'm Sydney, and we're going to be your hosts for today's shopping live stream. We're here to show you some of our favorite styles for the new season. I think it's time we asked Tony Blaze to join us. Tony, welcome. Hello, Tony. How's it going? You know, I'm looking quite swagglish yeah. today, so it's going quite well. It's going quite well. See. I love royal yeah. blue. I feel like it just makes the skin complexion glow, so good, good choice there. <laughs> John, the technology's been there for a long time. This, there's sort of a duh factor here that, uh, you know, people turn to platforms like Instagram and, and, and others, and you can go to Tommy's website and you can watch one of their QVC-like uh, episodes <laughs> as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I never really watched the QVC, QVC, but yeah, this looks exactly like that. But everything's getting reinvented, right? We hated bundles going a la carte, but now we're reinventing the bundle. Apparently, people hated, you know, QVC going online, but now... QVC is online. Uh, I, I, I'm sure it'll do well. People like to watch other people wear clothes. Uh, what does this do for oh, the fashion well, it industry? Also it also... I just think it had to do with that period of time where people couldn't go in right. and touch and feel the clothes, number one. Number two, I was just in a clothing store over the weekend. You still can't go in and try it on. So watching other people try it on or model it or pick it out. And besides that, even before coronavirus happened, did you ever see on YouTube these haul videos where you'd get like a, a 14 year old saying, well, I went into Forever 21 <laughs> and I got this belt for um, $1.99 and this necklace and they put it no, all together. Contessa, they I had never millions and millions. <laughs> Okay, well, you're missing out. Methinks thou doth protest too much. Yeah, some, some of us have seen All the I'm hall videos is, being made in person at home. Um, so I'm, I'm aware. It's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. I miss you people. I wish you were right here sitting with me. Thank you all. Good to see you. John Fort, Contessa Brewer. Nice to see you. Mike Santoli for today's Rapid Fire. Let's take a quick look at the markets. The S&P and the NASDAQ are now at session highs. The Dow's up 340 points, S&P up nearly 2%, the Nasdaq with a smart 3% gain with Apple leading the charge there. Up next, personal finance guru Susie Orman joins me to talk about the lessons that she learned from her recent scary health scare. 
but she's doing better. Back after this. Lockdowns, family obligations, uh, just fear. All reasons why many of us have avoided taking good care of ourselves during this pandemic, and that includes our personal health. A beloved member of our family here at CNBC learned that lesson the hard way this last year. Personal finance guru Susie Arman recently had emergency surgery to remove a tumor from her spinal cord after ignoring some troubling signs for months. Thankfully, she's on the mend and getting back to her life, and she's ready to share some of the hard lessons that she learned during this life-changing experience. Susie joins us now as part of our financial wellness series, Invest in You, Ready, Set, Grow. It's a partnership between CNBC and Acorns. My dear Susie, I'm so glad that you're doing better, but tell me this lurid story about what happened here. Well, more than telling you, Phil, right away what happened, let me tell you why I want to tell you what happened and tell everybody what happened. Because there's always a lesson to be learned for Susie Orman in your experiences. Yes. Yes. And, you know, how many years have I been on television saying, you know, the main internal obstacle to wealth is fear. And the truth is the reason people don't invest, the reason people don't open up their credit cards and everything like that, their statements, is because they're afraid. They're afraid they don't have the money to pay their bills. They don't know what they're doing, all of these things. So they do nothing. This is a lesson where wealth and health really are identical. Right. Because I knew something was wrong, Bill. Starting a long time ago, things started to go wrong. Um, And more recently, where last year I was walking up on stage to tape my PBS special that I did, and... I couldn't get up the stairs without pulling myself up on my right side. And I'm like, well, the show's got to go on. And I just did it. Mm -hmm. And then a few months later, things started to happen where my knee would buckle under me. So I'd go to a doctor and they would say to me, oh, it's, it's probably nothing, Susie. You don't have to worry about it. And I kept going to doctors where I knew they would tell me what I wanted to hear. Yes. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. It's your hip. Don't worry about it. Until finally, I start dropping my fork and things like that, and I couldn't write anymore. And then a doctor said to me, my general practitioner, Susie, we need three MRIs. We need a brain scan. We need this scan. And and as soon as they said that to me, I got so afraid, Bill, because I didn't want a brain tumor. I knew something was wrong, but I didn't want it to be wrong in it. You know, and it, thankfully, it was it was a, a non cancerous tumor yes. on your spinal cord up near your, your neck. So they removed it. They inserted some titanium uh, in there to secure your spinal cord. And you're on the mend right now. Right. Yes. But here's the lesson. It had been growing there for 15 years. Wow. It had actually taken up 80 percent of the spinal cord. So I, as the doctors would tell you, I was one fender bender away from being paralyzed and probably a quadriplegic. Wow. And that's when it got really serious. So the reason that this is so important is I could have prevented this. I could have really taken action before it had gotten almost to the point seriously. They freaked out as soon as they did the MRI bill. Two days later, I was in a 12-hour surgery. So what's the lesson here? What, uh, what, what's your takeaway that people can learn beyond just, the, you know, don't be afraid. If, you, if you're sensing some symptom, you know, get, it, get to the bottom of it there. 
it's it's don't be afraid to go to the doctors. Don't be afraid to get whatever they're going to tell you, no matter what it is. Their news is far better. Knowing something is better than the unknowing of something because of what can happen. And the other thing about it is, I have to say, that's why health insurance is so seriously important for every single person out there, really, Bill. Because when you don't have insurance, there goes your life. It's really that close to it. So the main reason that I'm coming out now and telling everybody about this is when you think something is wrong, go to the doctor. It's just that simple. But go to the doctor that knows. Don't go to the doctors that are going to tell you what you want to hear. And you never know when this is going to hit. So this comes back to the rainy day fund that you often you know, tell people they need. Now, thankfully, you don't need one. You already have one, but uh, you know, for people who want may need it, yeah. if this this medical crisis crops up, it could bankrupt them, right? If they haven't learned that now with the pandemic, that the most important thing in anybody's personal financial portfolio, more than all the stocks and everything, is at least an eight-month emergency fund, maybe even a year emergency fund. If you haven't learned that after this past year of what we've been through, I don't know. You have to be on another planet because your money is what's going to get you through. And it's really important that you have that one building block out of anything else in a portfolio. And you know what I find interesting is during this pandemic, I'll see periodically a commercial for a hospital or a health insurance, and they'll say, you know, it's okay to go back to the doctor for a wellness check. People have been ignoring their personal uh, health during this pandemic because they're afraid to leave their house. They're especially afraid to go to an office where there might be people who already are, are testing positive for COVID here. Yes, but also now with the onset of Teladoc, fabulous stock, by the right? way, but, but, but with Teladoc and all of these things, you don't have to leave your house. You can use little things. You know, you were talking about Apple. The reason that, uh, you know, on your segments ago, is it's a, you know, up to date number one. Everybody can know that Apple eventually is going to be a health stock. More than just a technology stock and doing your phones and everything, it's going to be your key to your health. So there's really no excuse. And, and the reason, again, I came on is there was no excuse, Susie Orman, no excuse for you to have denied what, was going, what you were going through, thinking you could solve it with, with vitamins and swimming and all this stuff. Go to the doctor, whether it's in person, if it's safe, or via the internet. It's just that simple, but go to a doctor who will tell you what you don't want to hear. Just another reminder that you can have all the money in the world, which you do. You can live on a private island, which you do. Which I do. But you don't, if you don't have your health, you got nothing. That's right, you got that big time. My, big dear, time. my dear Susie, my love to you and to KT. Take care, I'm Thank so glad you, you're Bill. doing better. Good Great. to see you. Great, see you soon. All right. All right. And to read more about this, you can go to cnbc.com forward slash invest in you. We should note, by the way, that NBC Universal and Comcast Ventures are investors in Acorns. And you can catch Susie as the featured guest at CNBC's Path Forward Your Money special virtual event. That's coming up November 17th. She'll be answering your questions about what's next for you and your money. You can head to cnbcevents.com slash your money for details. Still ahead, for any taxpayers who took an extension, 
There are just, count them, three days left to file your 2019 taxes. What's the 12 million Americans who have yet to file need to know? If they don't make that deadline, well, we'll tell you coming up. And a reminder, you can always watch us or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We are back on The Exchange in two minutes. We mentioned Apple's big event that kicks off tomorrow with very high expectations. The event is not only important for the company itself with the unveiling of all these new iPhones, but it also is important for its suppliers. Take a look at a few of the names that have been rallying ahead of the event. Some of these suppliers. Flex, that's a contract manufacturer in the green today. It's up 6% in one week. Glass supplier Corning is up about 4% in a week. And the big one, Qualcomm, the chipmaker, company signed an agreement to be Apple's 5G chip provider last year. That stock is up 5% in the past week. Now, if you were among the 12 million Americans who asked for an extension to file your taxes, it's come due now. You have just three days left to get it done. Sharon Epperson joins us now with what you need to know as that final, final, final deadline approaches. Hi, Sharon. Hey, Bill. You know, earlier this year, millions of taxpayers submitted a form for an extension to file, giving them more time to submit their 2019 returns. Well, on Thursday, their time is up. October 15th is the final, final deadline for taxpayers to submit their 2019 individual income tax returns if they request an extension. Now, small business owners and individuals with more complex returns often ask for extensions, but disruptions due to the COVID-19 19 pandemic may also have caused significant filing delays for many taxpayers. The official tax day was already pushed back from April to July, but July 15th was also the deadline to file for an extension if you weren't ready to submit your return. Keep in mind as well, it's time to turn it in this Thursday. Failure to file your taxes on or by October 15th will definitely cost you. If you miss that deadline, you'll have to pay a penalty of 5% of the tax that you owe, and that's charged for each month or part of the month that the return is late. On the other hand, if you are due a refund, there is no penalty on a return that is filed late. So that is some good news, Bill. We all know this has been a difficult year for many, many people. They've been furloughed. In some many cases, they lost their job. What if you just cannot afford to pay this tax even at this late date? What then? Well, it is important to come up with some plan with the IRS. It is important to try to figure out if there could be an installment plan, some type of payment plan that you can get into. There are several different versions, and if you go to irs.gov, you can see some of the options there, and you can also apply for a payment plan right away, right there. Don't hide from it, because it will catch up with you. Definitely confront, let the IRS know that your situation has been dire and that you need help and they will help you come up with a payment plan. Very good. Sharon Epperson, always good to see you. Thank you. See you later. Great to see you, Bill. That does it for the exchange, but stick around for Power Lunch. The CEO of Holy Name Medical Center in uh, New Jersey is going to join the gang to discuss the surge of cases in that state and how they are preparing for it. That's coming up after this short break. You've been listening to The Exchange. Make sure you're subscribed to get each episode every day, same time, same place.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.